The following episode of the Man With The Plan podcast may contain strong language or content that is not suitable for all viewers and or listeners. Viewer and or listener discretion is advised. Coming up, we're talking with my good friend, my personal right hand, one of my few dogs. The man behind this here, Man With The Plan, Jeff Louis Peck. The man with the plan starts now. What's up, world? It's yours truly, Be The Man, the man with the plan. Did you miss me? Today, we're debuting a new segment on the podcast called The Spot. The Spot will be an extension of the podcast where I interview, highlight, and showcase the many guests of the Man With The Plan podcast. Stepping into the spot today, the man who brings a dash of magic, Jeff Peck, a.k.a. Louie. Jeff, dog, welcome to the first edition of The Spot, man. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Had a long day at work, but, you know, I'm here. I'm excited. You know, it's good to see my buddy. It's been a minute, so can't complain. Can't complain. Hey, there you go. There you go. All right, so it's time to dive into the big questions, the important questions. So starting off, as most people may or may not know, you have a nickname, Louis. Mm-hmm. Tell the people, how did you come up with the Louis moniker and what exactly inspired that stylation of it that you had? Well, um, I'm, well my, my middle name is Louis. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of like do what some people do where like they go by the middle name instead of like their first name. And then also like that's my grandfather. And I really like the idea of kind of paying homage and then also... I don't know he was just like always mysterious like it'd take years until i finally like after he passed to finally figure out like more and more about him and i really like that mystery so i thought maybe going by louis would be cool like i spelled it l-o-u-i-e um but when you search louis uh other people come up so i thought it'd be best to maybe switch up the word a little bit you know and and people always say like lowey because how it's spelled is l-o-w-y but I mean, I feel like if enough people know you, they'll like the word will spread and they won't say Louie so much, but more Louie. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was originally trying to make it so it stood for like an acronym, but I never could think of something that like made legitimate sense. So now it's just, it's just <laughs> Louie spelled <laughs> with, what is it? L-O-W-Y. Yeah, with four letters. Mm, got you. So maybe, maybe Monica will come up with one day, but so far it's just, it's me. It's just Louie. It's not, nothing too special. Okay. Okay. So I'm very curious. Who would you say is your favorite famous Louie in the world? Well, obviously you got to go with, you know, um, you know, Louis Armstrong, you know, cause he's, I don't know. He's, I feel like he's a great representation of like hard work, you know, dude was working his ass off like like early early like basically like the start of you know fucking music like it's you know and that's why we remember him you know dude's got a song in finding nemo for a reason you know exactly and i I really like that you know and it would be nice to maybe many years down the line i ain't in no hurry but to maybe like be on like a second tier list to like even greater Louis or like Louis that are also in that tier that I probably just drawn a bit of a blank on. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. So 
this next one, I've been very curious. How exactly did you get into photography and videography? Yeah, a lot of people actually ask me that. Um, I mostly got into photography um, because when I dropped out of college, coming up on like three years now, I, um, I left because I wanted to do music videos because I went for filmmaking and I really had a love for music. I wanted to go for a uh, music production minor when I was there. Um, but things kind of didn't work out and I came to the cities and I thought, okay, there's a connection there who graduated. Maybe he could take me under his wing. Um, that kind of fell through. Um, much love to him though. His name's Jake, super talented, like videographer in the city. You know, I love his work. Um, he does a Morningside films. I really like some of his videos. Um, he made a really dope one for atmosphere. I remember that, uh, Millennium Dodo part one. I really like, I was a big fan of part two, but I love that like car shot. I think I've showed it to you the car shot with the black and white, like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I really like that. <laughs> um, but that, that shit fell through. And, um, I was already kind of in connections with, um, a rapper by the name of Shy Lee because, um, before that year even started, I went to a logic concert with one of my buddies. His name is uh, Billy, Billy Ambrose really sweet white kid and uh, uh we decided to stay after and like camp outside his bus because we're like you know what maybe he'll come out it'd be cool you know just to say hi don't even need a photo um because i'm a big fan um and this dude was here and i remembered him because he was the guy who logic stopped the show for because he heard him in the crowd out of all the people he was in the front row and he heard him and from there we hit it off and he said, Hey, I'm trying to build a team. I'm trying to like maybe work on photos and music videos. And when I heard music videos, I'm like, I'm gonna call on my best friend, Ben, let's see if we can do this. And we shot a couple of videos. Um, they didn't really pan out. Um, but it was a really good learning experience. And then he told me about going to this bar called honey. Um, may it rest in peace. I really miss it so Man, much. Absolutely. Man. I love that place. Um, and I started just showing up to shows and I started like videotaping people and then I get bored. So I'd like snap a couple photos. Cause like, I know framing from like filmmaking, but I never really did any photography and I'd go up to artists after shows. I'd be like, Hey, would you maybe be interested in some of this footage or would you be interested in a music video? And they will always say, nah, but do you have photos? And I remember one guy just came up to me and he's like, Hey, you got any photos of me? I'm like, yeah, I think I got like like two or five of them. And I showed him and he liked two of them. He's like, that'll give you like five, 10 bucks for those. And that kind of got me thinking like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then I met a few more artists and I kept shooting their shows and their photos. And then finally I realized that like, okay, then they started asking me for music videos. So I kind of got into photography to do music videos, but the music video itself got me more into photography because it actually got me more interested in something I used to kind of clown about. Which I think is kind of wild to think that like two years ago, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not great, but like, I'm a lot better than like some chick with like a hundred dollar camera she just got for Christmas, you know? And I'm pretty happy about that. So that that's pretty much in a nutshell. I mean, they got into like the, kind of like the type of photography, which I, I mostly like performance photography. 
but like i i'd be open to like other stuff too so i'm excited what the future holds for that hey nice very nice very nice so i know you alluded to it very briefly but i'm curious as you mentioned like performance style photos who or what exactly would you say inspires your photo and video style um damn that's a good question i really like two of them but one of them i'd say who i really look up to and i like because whenever i have a question he's always always would answer my questions um it maybe take a couple of days or a week but he'd always respond to me and like give me a detailed answer and there's this videographer in the city's by the name of robert henry and he makes really cool like video clips where they like they come back and forth but he also takes really good photography and i really liked how he uses the shadows really well because i really like well also my camera can't shoot in the dark too well so it was kind of like best of both worlds so i really like using the shadows and then like making sure the subject is right in the light and then fucking with colors because he really likes fucking with colors too um and you don't know, always game to answer my questions. I don't, you know, I think he's super talented in the cities. And but if we're talking like the best of the best, um, like performance photographers in the city, I think I always forget his last names. I think it's Adam Gross. He's like he does a lot of work with Post Malone now, but he's he's a Minnesota native, and he like got his start like shooting a bunch of sound sets like each year, and then he finally like got a massive opportunity. You know, it's, it's fucking wild. But but yeah, if we're talking mostly style, I'd say Robert Henry influenced me a lot because I like when I was getting into it, I was like looking at a shit every single day and seeing how like, oh, shooting with this guy. Oh, shit. He's shooting with Little Skies. Oh, shit. Shooting with MGK. Like he would get all the big shows and then he'd also get photos on top of that. And that really inspired me to try to see if I could do a little bit of both. Hey, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest difficulty of taking photos and creating music videos? I guess the biggest difficulty is um, the overlap. Because there's been some instances where like, I could think of this, like I'll take a photo of someone and be like, okay, that, that could be a music video. You know, like if someone's in an outfit and like a wig, like, like sometimes I'll take a photo and be like, okay, that, that'd be a really cool music video. Or vice versa, where like, the music video is really simple, um, but I would much rather just take these scenes and turn them into like like mini photo shoots. So it's like different mindsets that kind of overlap, but I wish it was more one or the other sometimes because they're, they're so different. Like a photo shoot's so easy, but you can do a lot more complex things where a music video is really complex, but like it's supposed to lay it out a lot simpler than what is out there like when you see a music video it looks what should look really smooth and it should you know have a flow but it's hard because you making it or the artist who's like coming up with ideas as well have to develop something to make it kind of flow kind of naturally because i feel like videos that just don't flow naturally whether they're shot on an iphone or like a red camera really really don't resonate with people and i i really can't stand watching those like, it don't matter if you're in a park, as long as it makes sense and it's got a good, you know, you know what I mean? Like, right. like good cutting or good, like, motion. I always try to encourage people who I shoot with to be like, I want more action. I don't care if it's exaggerated, but, like, you have to give off that energy 
you know, I could do as much as I can post, but like, if they, if they want to hear what you're saying, you have to make them, you know, give a shit about it, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So speaking of more so photos on Instagram, people may not know you have a very unique hashtag that you use. <laughs> Can you tell us <laughs> who exactly is Hayden Christensen and what exactly did happen to him? Um, I don't know. That's kind of where it started. Cause like Hayden Christensen was like a big part of my youth. Like if you like, obviously you've seen this, like the star Wars films, like the prequels, you know, like, uh, what shit was it? Uh, Phantom Menace, uh, the Clone Wars and the Revenge of the Sith. And for the last two, uh, Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, Hayden Christensen plays Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. And I was a little kid, I was like, dude, that guy's badass. And then he kept popping up in other movies. Like, I don't know if you watched this in school. We had to watch this thing about plagiarism called Shattered Glass, where he played like this massively like popular um, reporter, but he would always lie about shit. That's why his stories were so interesting because he'd be like, well, I went to this, you know, chess club, but turns out they were all like dealing flow and people would be like, whoa, how did you find this? But like, <laughs> just making shit up the whole time. And he'd go to extreme lengths to prove it. Wow. And then like he, he was in Takers. It's my first like PG-13 movies when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> and um, I think he did like a few more movies and they just vanished. Like, I couldn't find him. He's probably doing something, but like, I can't find him. Like you can't even find his manager online unless you like really fucking dig. But like my goal with the hashtag is to be like, I want to find him. and I want to do a photo shoot with him to kind of like, I finally found him, but like, I don't want it to be too recent because like, then I got to find a new hashtag. And that took a long time to to make that good hashtag. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) all right so rumor has it that you're looking to get into rapping soon when can we expect the third song um (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i really don't know i guess i guess it's hard because i like i like writing verses i found I know I'm late to the party, but I finally found out what a verse was like a couple of months ago. And it turns out I've been writing verses. Yeah. Cause I have like, like Samsung note, note like documents. Cause gotcha. I don't have money and I can't afford an iPhone every year. Um, but, <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I'll just like listen to a, a beat I really like or like a free beat and I'll just like write something. But the issue is like I when I try to like bring them all together, it doesn't make sense. So I don't know, like maybe if I can find something that's like really good and what I want to say, like like makes sense throughout the whole thing and gets across what I want to say, then probably I'd I'd do it because I've I've kind of briefly talked about it for like a lot, like I think a year and a half now. But it just I know I'm kind of like a little, little perfectionist about it because I'm, I'm a big believer in like, I want to put my best foot forward, not just a foot forward, you know, because I feel like something you put out there really leaves an impact. Like, I don't know if you, do you ever do watch like remix videos on YouTube? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, lately I've been watching um, 
like freestyle videos of like Harry Mack. I know that's something I've been doing with uh, my best friend, Corey. Uh, for those listening, uh, my best friend, Corey, who is now in Florida, him and I will watch Harry Mack freestyle videos. And that's actually a person who is very dope with freestyling. So you guys out there, check out Harry Mack. But there was this kid and he went by the name of AK. And he did a remix um, freestyle over the Panda Beat. And that was like one of his first few videos he put up on YouTube. And he went really hard in it. And he even mentioned in interviews. He's like, okay, I want to find a really good beat that was popular, but I wanted to get across like how I'm really feeling. And after that, dude blew up. Dude's actually an artist. Dude actually has been signed to a label. Dude oh, wow. actually kind of paved this path by the amount of time and effort he put into it. And the best thing was he shot it on his iPhone with just his mic stand his headset and I think he had like a really nice pop filter but just in his room like you can see the closet in the clip and I oh. love that oh wow. like how he just fucking went in no cuts one take just went in and I love that and that kind of is like well, well shit <laughs> well, these verses are kind of cool but like I guess you gotta step it up you know <laughs> right and it's it's pretty tough to do it in one take too like for me there's been very few times I've been able to do a verse like in minimal takes or at least one take. So it's it's a very acquired art for sure to do a verse in one take. Yeah. Like usually when you're coming up with something, do you kind of like have to like replay the part over and then do the thing that you said and then try to add on to it sometimes? Absolutely. Or yeah. even reworking a line here and there like it's. Very, it gets very intricate at times. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to have like at least a minute thing by the end of the year. I think maybe like a verse, a verse song. <laughs> <laughs> the new thing. It's a new trend. <laughs> maybe one of those by the end of the year would be cool if I can find um, a beat that won't get me striked off SoundCloud. <laughs> maybe. You know, just to finally do something I've been talking about, because I feel like it's good to actually do it, even even if it's not 100 percent what you want, but you still feel good in it to just put it out. You know, that's why I like it when like. Fuck, who was it? Uh, like Frank Ocean made a track, Travis Scott, he did a remix of his song Lenses, and he really wanted to put it out there, but they're like, we can't put this out there. Dude, just put it on SoundCloud. And if you want to hear it, it's only on SoundCloud. Same with like Days Before Rodeo. You can only hear that like on SoundCloud and other like non like professional streaming services like, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora. Yeah. Uh, Tidal. It's not on there either. You know. Yeah, that's a, a very big thing with a lot of those older albums, especially dealing with samples. Like that's mm -hmm. one thing as an artist and producer that I uh, have to find myself kind of combating with, like, debating on, oh, do I want to use this and risk, you know, my stuff getting taken down? Or do I want to do it for the love of hip hop and be like, you know, fuck that sample. I'm going to use this anyway <laughs> and deal with it later because I have a dope <laughs> manager who can hopefully get me out of this. <laughs> This is true. 
So I actually think that's a dope segue into my next question. As many may or may not know, you manage myself as well as Papa Blue in the Fist Bump Congress. What inspired you to get into managing a band and a hip hop artist? Well, honestly, I I like the ease of it. That was the main thing I got into it because I would see artists, you know, like we'd be shooting a video or we'd go out and take photos and they'd always talk about like, you know, the problems. Like I can't really find a show. I don't feel like enough people are hearing my music or seeing my videos or photos that like you take or other people take. And I just got thinking, I'm like, there's a lot of ways you can do this and really simple ways that people have been doing for years, you know? And I don't know. I, the main, the main reason I got into it because I thought it was super easy. Um, being someone who's been doing it for what now, almost two years. It's a two lot and a half, hard. I think. It's a, it's a lot fucking harder. <laughs> <laughs> because I, th- I feel like, and I've, I've been reading this book. Um, I forgot the fucking name. Uh, like the music industry book. Oh, I know that book very well. Yeah. And um, it, it, it it's blowing my mind how many like, more ways you can do it um but that being said it's a lot harder like i feel like anyone can manage to like baseline but like if you want to like go to that extra mile or reach like the legendary ones you know you have to take these new ideas and actually implement them and you have to basically kind of put you know put your car show your cards show your cards or like you got a hole in it and that's kind of scary, especially like at this level where it's like, well, money's not, you know, expendable, but like, but like, I feel like to some degree there has to be a risk taken to get some kind of reward, but it's also, you know, um, and I talk about this with a lot of people, I haven't talked to you about this, like in casual conversation, like it's also taking a risk that makes sense. It's not like you take the risk because it's a risk you take the risk because you actually have some sort of gut feeling that tells you like this is going to work 60 percent confident i feel like if you don't feel at least 60 percent confident in it shouldn't do it like if you don't feel like gambling (laughs) don't fucking gamble you know (laughs) because there's plenty of other people especially in like this city and many cities across the country across the world who are going to sit at that table they're going to go all in and they're going to show their cards and they're, they're just going to, they're going to ride it out and they're going to do it or they'll win, you know, but they sat at the table because they felt like they had a winning hand and they wanted to take that risk. And I really like, I like that. I look up to that, yeah. you know, cause I want to be better. You know, I don't feel like you hit a plateau and you say, I'm good. Like you always want to get better. Absolutely. You know? I feel like I went on a tangent that I, that actually answered the fucking question. I don't, I don't <laughs> well, what would you say is a common myth about managing bands and artists? And do you think you can debunk it? Yes. Um, it's two of them. Um, it's that we're all greedy and that we want to change the artist. Um, the first one is all about money. I don't think a lot of managers are out here just being like, yo, you got to do this because it's going to pay really well. Or, 
Hey, we got to do this so I can get a cut. It's more of just putting things into perspective. Like a lot of artists, like when I was starting out with photography, they put so much time and effort into something and only put it like on SoundCloud where if they spent like maybe another week or two, they could have made the beat from scratch or found samples that actually could have been cleared and actually put on the major streaming service and get some sort of revenue. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, Lambo money, but like maybe 10, 20 bucks in your pocket every year, you know, because that builds, you know, my thing is like, if you have the discography, it's gonna, it's gonna accumulate. It's like, um, it's like with, um, what's it called? Um, like mutual funds or index funds. Like if you ever talk to financial people, they always recommend like every paycheck, like buy one or every month buy one because it builds. Um, and then that's more money when you decide to like cash out. Because if you've been buying index funds 12 times a year, starting at 20 and you hit 50, it's a lot of index funds. And then guess what? That shit goes up. So when you cash out, you're not only going to get your money back, but your interest paid too, like your work and your time and your effort. You know, and I'm a big believer in it doesn't have to always be about money, but you should have like a thought in the back of your mind, like this could possibly make us money, you know? Cause you don't want to be greedy. Cause then it's not fun. Then it feels like an actual job instead of like a passion or a career. I think a career and a job are two different things. And then for the second one about changing an artist, cause I feel like you've seen enough movies. I've seen enough movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like managers and I feel like there's a lot of them that are bad who do this too, but I feel like a good manager should try to put um, the artists first when it comes to new ideas or new directions, something that isn't completely out the wheelhouse or it could be out the wheelhouse, but made in a, in a way that the artist feels comfortable doing it, you know, cause, cause it's the artist's decision almost every time at the end of the day, you know, it's like <laughs> almost, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Because it, it's much better to have two yeses instead of a yes and a no. So it has to be something that you've looked over, you know, through and through. It can't be just a half-assed idea because then an artist is going to see right through that and see your, like, either unwillingness to do the work or basically, what's the word? Or, like, your incompetence of not looking further. If that makes any sense because it's yeah because it's, it's super easy to spew ideas it's a lot harder to actually do the work to see if this idea will pan out or get enough of the idea to like pitch it you know like when i was in film school like they always said the hardest part about making the movie is the pre-production because you need to find out how you're going to pitch it because unless you spielberg you're not getting the money for it so you need to know it through and through so if some dude who got more money than jesus looks at you and says, I don't get this. You need to know every single thing about that script or about what you're doing or about where the budget's going so that you can keep them at ease. So you can then maybe progress with that idea and ideas change, you know, 
but it has to adapt and work with the artist. It can't just be like, hey, let's do dubstep. <laughs> no, it's fucking dumb. <laughs> like it has it has to make sense. If it's like dubstep with a feature, but you're the feature, that would be something that would possibly be interesting, but then also should be considered with the artist. Like, would I want to take that direction? You know. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So I'm also curious, what would you say is a common myth about photography and videography, and can you debunk it? Mm. Yikes. Um, <laughs> a lot of roads we could go down with that one. Um, but let's go with the tame one. Let's go with the tame one. <laughs> If any of you are watching this in Minneapolis, you know, you know why we go on the tame route. But um, I think a common misconception is that what we do is really easy. Um, and it's really not. Um, because if you're talking about someone who's just going to take your photo and send it to you, get like your friend to do it. <laughs> don't, don't hire someone and then ask them to do $20 for 20 photos. Like we actually want to get better you know, and we actually put a lot of time, like I'll go shoot an hour with someone. And then I'm sitting at my computer for five hours, you know, picking through hundreds of photos and then coming up with my idea of how I want it. And then five other ideas for the same photo in case they don't like said idea for the photo. Like you have to think ahead. Like you can't just say, I did this, give me my money. You know, if you want these rates, you have to like, earn them in a sense, you know, and like a common misconception. Cause I know a lot of photographers in the city who do this, like they just go out, shoot it, put a fucking filter on like a preset, like on Lightroom, And then they'll like sell them. And like, yeah, that that's probably not worth your money or your time. But I feel like for a lot of other photographers, like I, I take it seriously. Like I really want to put my best foot forward. Like, like I give, the person their photos but i keep like a couple of them because like i want to post those because i feel like every shoot has some gems that you should show the world so you can find the next person and then get more gems to get even higher you know and i feel like a lot of people just think we're just kind of greedy because we want 100 bucks for 20 photos <laughs> <laughs> you know which is very cheap i found out yeah i imagine compared to uh like the big time photographers out there, like especially in the city, I imagine a rate like that is pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap until someone comes up to you and they're like, well, if it's five bucks a photo, could I just get like two? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like they try to get a discount deal like it's the grocery store or something. It almost reminds me of the days when I worked at Walgreens and people would be like, well, can't I just get this or this? And I'm like, unfortunately, no, ma'am. The sign says otherwise. Two for four. Why can't I just get one for two dollars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I don't know. And then it's also like photographers get sick and tired of people like always asking for free shit. I get that so many times. That's why I'll only give like one or two photos out for free. Because if you give anything more, then people will automatically be like, well, he gave me this amount of free photos. Why can't you just do it more? Why is he asking for money? Why is he doing that? And 
like I, I guess that kind of got me in trouble when I first started doing this because I, I just wanted to get out there. But then that bit me in the ass when I finally would hit people up again and be like, hey, can we do this? Um, and could you pay me this time? You know, since you like my work and stuff like that. And they'd be like, fuck no. Because <laughs> I didn't set that precedent and I didn't like value my work. Yeah. You know? And be like, hey, this is what you want. This is what I can do. This is what I feel comfortable doing it for. What do you think? Which I probably should have done. You know, looking back. Mm-hmm. So how, um, just kind of thinking a little bit, just based off of that, how important would you say is it, is the importance of setting that precedent of getting paid for your work? Well, it's very important. You know, I love doing it. I like anything creative, but like at the end of the day, like you have to get something. Like you don't have to rob someone blind. You don't, but like you shouldn't be getting paid in like a Chipotle burrito. You know, like you should yeah. actually take like pride and value in your work. You know, you could charge a dollar a photo. You could charge $2 a photo if you just start now. But you setting that precedent automatically shows people like, oh shit, this guy really cares about his work. And especially if you have the work to back up said statement, if you were to then up your charge, people would be like, oh shit, ex-photographer is really doing it. He's in high demand, you know? And it's the same thing with like, if you're busy and someone's like, I need this now, then you can come up it up and it makes sense. Instead of just being some guy, <laughs> it's like, give me 200 bucks for an hour. Like, I better some good ass fucking photos. <laughs> Or he better have a really good camera. Because also, I feel like having a good camera just automatically boosts your, boosts your rates up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, I know tons of people who do, like, music videos in the city who have, like, 4K cameras. Like, if you get a 4K video, like, you can automatically charge more because that's a lot more work you have to put in in editing because it's a massive file, bro. People are like, 4K is so crisp. And everyone who does it, unless you got the computer for it, fucking hates it. I had a drone back in the day that shot 4K and I wanted to test it out. And I shot a 20 second clip of 4K. It took my computer two days to import. Whoa. It took it a day to put it in the software. And it took another day to um, render the section, which is like um, finalize it. Just the section with the 4K footage. I think I cut it down to like 10 seconds. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, I have a shitty computer to be fair, but like, it's a big file and it's a lot of work. And then also people always love the thing like, oh, it's in 4K. Yo, that's professional. And that's another selling point. Right. And I believe even um, yesterday when we were with each other, you mentioned just how a 4K camera is just not only expensive with like the editing itself, but the camera is just stupid expensive and then it's also what you want like a lot of people get a 4k camera but it's a crop sensor which is you know so if you shoot 4k or cinema which i think is h1 or 8k depending on what kind of camera you got um 
like it's usually cropped. So if you're seeing the screen like this, when you put it in post, it's going to be like this. And like, I like a lot of full frame cameras because not only can you get the full picture, um, sorry, full sensors, my bad. <laughs> um, because not only can you get the full image, you also get better in lower light. And I really like shooting and filming in lower light situations because I think it's like a lot more dramatic, it's a lot more impactful. I'm a night owl. I like doing a lot more shit at night, you know? And I just feel like it just kind of depends on what the guy's going for. Like if you want to take the time and effort to while you're shooting, know that you have to do that crop, all means get the other camera, you know? Because at the end of the day, like what camera you have works with you. Like I've got the same camera I've had since high school. <laughs> yeah. Like I've made it work this long. Right. So like, and I know people who shoot on way shittier cameras than I do or who shoot on film who can't even like dictate like what the light's going to be, the shadows. Cause when you do black and white the film, it's kind of a crapshoot. Like you can light it as best you can, but the film is going to give you what the film's going to give you. Yeah. You know, and they come up with amazing photos, but that's just like, understanding your camera and understanding how it works you know man a lot of a lot of camera knowledge i didn't know today i feel like i got educated <laughs> welcome to my master class <laughs> oh wow see i can't say that on camera i have a whole comment for that off camera <laughs> so with the current pandemic everyone's had some rough days and rough weeks throughout the past several months. What's helped you keep your head kind of up and above water during this time? Um, a lot of things that have kind of kept me above water have been ironically going through like a lot of album lists. Like um, I'm almost done with like Fantano's list. Like, top 200 albums i just found another one of um fuck uh pitchforks top 200 and i don't know just like finding new music even if i don't like it it like inspires you or like i'll go back to it and re-listen to it and i really like hearing new things that i i probably wouldn't listen to like if someone was just like hey you should listen to this i'd be like nah but like being given that opportunity and and since i'm going in order like you have to listen to it because i'm very much like even though this album sucks they're like the next one and then the next one and i really like that it's kind of like a mystery box unless i've heard the album and then i just get to revisit it enjoy it but i really like that i like rewatching like old music like really old music videos I get hella inspired by those because I'm always thinking, like, what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> like the really bad or really cringy ones are the ones that like people love to meme online. Like I love actually watching them and like find like what were they thinking or like why was this cool? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we jumped to today's date and it's like it's like all Cole Bennett or all fucking like um. Ron a blank on his name, uh, but he's done everything. Fuck, what's his name? Dave Myers, all Dave Myers. So like super serious abstract shit. 
you know, if you don't know Dave Myers, he's the one who did like um, Humble music video for Kendrick. Oh, gotcha. He did uh, the Sycamore video that everyone loves to kind of be like, oh, what's Sycamore video? Like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and then um, another big one, which I literally love, is called like Element. When different element for Kendrick Lamar. Ooh, that's a good one. Like that. Yeah. 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 So people either go with the really cool like drawing effects or cool transitions like a Cole Bennett or like a super serious tone like a Dave Myers with like unique abstractness and like the hard color lighting and shit like that. But I really like going to the back where it's all wacky or like completely different or just random. You know, because I'll dig even deeper and find like Wikipedia pages and shit like that and find out why they did it. And they're like, well, we saw this cartoon. Kanye kind of liked it. So we did this, you know, and I just I really like that. How like these little ideas are actually turning these much bigger, grandiose videos where the videos we kind of get now are kind of just. They, I don't know, they all just seem like carbon copies at this point. It was the same thing when like. Um, I don't know if you if you're from if you've seen like like Goosebumps music video with Travis Scott, like where it's all shaky and the lights and it's all like stroby and shit like that. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it a little bit. Uh, that's made by two directors. His name, their names are Brother. They're like a collective of directors. Mm-hmm. And and like once like Goosebumps came out and their other videos came out, like everyone was copying that style. Mm-hmm. And I get it; it's trendy. But, like, I feel like a lot more people tend to gravitate to the ones that are, like, very original or really speak to the song. You know, like, I have a special playlist on my YouTube page where whenever I find one that really just hits me or is really stands out, I always put it there. Because I always want to rewatch them if I really need to get inspired. Because I just think, like, how the fuck did they come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think I had some technical difficulties when I was asking you that question. So I'm just asking that one again, just to stay on the safe side, because like it was a little wonky. So I'm going to just ask you that one again, just for safety purposes of having it. Uh, so with the current pandemic, everyone's had some pretty rough days throughout the past several months. What's helped keep your head high and mighty during that time? Oh, do you want the same answer again? Uh, I mean, you can. I just, the vid, it messed up a little bit. So I was like, I might as well just gasket it again. All right. Um, well, a lot of albums, like I go through a lot of like top 200 albums of, like the last decade. Um, I actually found a cool one from um, 2009 to 2000, 2000 that I really want to check out too. Cause I'm, I'm not that familiar with that kind of like, like time of music like that was when i was first listening to music and it was all just like kdwb at like nine o'clock at night listening to like uh was it the smackdown where they had like two songs go head to head and the winner got to stay the next night and then go head to head with another new song which really wasn't a new song but they do that that's actually how i discovered kid cuddy ah because he had a song called uh day and night hey. <laughs> that they'd always play and it always won i think it won for like fucking like a whole month and then they finally had to disqualify it because it was just too many people voted for it right <laughs> is that it we need a new guy 
And then also just like, I don't know, rewatching like old music videos, also kind of in that area, even like in the 90s. They're just like so out there. Hell, even the Bee Gees. What was it like the 70s when music videos were first coming out? Yeah. Where they were just like so generic, but they were so like, they got character, man. Like, shit, one of the first music videos was like, um, uh, Let It Be by the Beatles. And it's so simple. They're on a soundstage with a bunch of people while they play their instruments. And um, it's so good. I don't know. It's just there's something about like how you shoot and how you do it that just impacts you a lot more than the actual video. You know, I think a great example is something that just came out recently. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the pop star music video. I don't think I've seen that. It's the one for the uh, DJ Khaled and Drake song. Oh yeah, no, I, I haven't seen that. Song's kind of meh, but the video's it's pretty solid. Like it makes you more invested because they take this pun of Justin Bieber that he has in there and being a pop star. And then he makes them act it out. And you're actually kind of curious, like throughout it, like, okay, how the fuck are you gonna tie this stuff? He's a white guy. What's he doing here? Why is he, <laughs> why is he acting like a rapper? Right. You know? And like, I don't know, I think that's an interesting concept it's been done before where they, you know, body swap or people do other shit. Yeah. I mean, it's refreshing coming from like shit. Drake usually does what Khaled usually does. Mm. Videos are fucking dry as shit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on six nines videos. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh man. Fucking hell. <laughs> How many times can we kill the fucking screen and show booty? <laughs> I mean, it's great booty, but like, I give, give me something more, man. Like, fuck, <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So, what would you say is the best executed plan you've had in life so far? What? <laughs> okay. Okay. What are we describing as plan? Like an idea that came into fruition and then that was completed or are we talking plan like i have this idea and i did it however you make it out to be i'm throwing i'm throwing you a a wrench in there yeah (laughs) we're going off the top of the dome i feel like a plan that i'm still working on is making something for artists and creatives not not like a company but just like opportunity and like space because i'm a big believer that a lot of people don't want to be tied down you know we've already seen in the news of how all these musicians and actors they don't want to be in their contracts or they don't remember signing contracts or the contract isn't as good because they're bigger now and i don't want to do that to people like if i have a studio and you want to record in it you making it basically just implies you paying for the studio time and giving us credit that you recorded there it doesn't mean you're part of a label it doesn't mean that you have any obligation to us like i don't want to tie people down i just want to give people the opportunity and the chance to do that you know and that takes time because number one you need people to trust you or fuck with you number two you need to have the equipment or the people present who can back up your state, your claims and your statements 
And then you need to execute it and make sure that this is a consistent thing and not just once every three times. You know, you kind of got to treat every artist like it's the first, like first artist. Like you just got to show them love and respect, you know. And like, that's kind of one of the main reasons why like I'm happy for this coming year. Oh, fuck. Um, where I'm buying a house and I can finally kind of make those things come into fruition because I want to build something in the basement and for recording. I want to have a room that's dedicated just to photography so I can really hound in on that. And I just want to be able to give people these opportunities. But like I said, not tiny one down. I'm more like a stepping stone that you can selectively choose if you want me to come along. You know, because right. like, yeah, it's it's cool to come up with people, but you don't want to wedge yourself self, not shelf, yourself <laughs> in there. You know, like, and people don't like that. Like, you want to be genuine with people. Like, yeah, you can help someone or you can do this for them, but like, don't pretend to be their friend if you're not going to be their friend. Like, that happens all the time here in the cities where someone's like, oh, yeah, I'll hit you up. Never fucking happens. Right. Never, never fucking happens. But like, at least extending the hand and accepting the fact that the hand may not be extended back to you will eventually lead to someone extending the hand back to you because you're actually executing said thing and doing it to what they like or working to what you can do. And people will respect that a lot more than you just being fake as fuck. And that's why I really want to hound in on this and actually make this place possible, you know, cause I feel like there's a lot of great fucking talent, especially in the city that really don't want to do it because they don't like how other people are doing it or how other organizations are going about their business and that kind of frightens them instead of inspiring them to do similar things you know so i guess yeah so i'm kind of on a plan to just try to help out more people and work on myself and my brand of course but you know getting a house next year is definitely gonna help propel that so I actually have like a place where I can consistently work that isn't in a fucking apartment room. <laughs> I'd have a whole house with doors. <laughs> Wait, man, some of the best plans in life came from, you know, small houses or, you know, the smallest of apartments. So you got to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. We got to keep at it to some degree. Instead of just like back burner, then do it. You know, it should be something that's like, even if the ball's not rolling so quickly, you got to make sure it's, it's at least moving. I feel like, like obviously we're in a pandemic. You can't collab with everyone in the book sometimes to everyone's liking. All right. You try to make do and you try to just be safe about it. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, my good man, Louie, tell the people where they can find you on the socials, where they can find you on social media. Um, I'm not really on Facebook. If you can find me on Facebook, I might add you. Um, on Twitter, 
I'm at dude prods. I don't post anything but gifts. If you actually want to see my work and actually um, hit me up for possible things or just brainstorm ideas or just see if I can do something for you in regards to like photos or videos, um, the best bet would be hitting me up on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at jpmariachi51 or you can search Louie, spelled L-O-W-Y Productions with an S, not a Z. Um, and please feel free to direct message me, uh, shoot me at the email there and um, try and make something happen. I'm not on TikTok though. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not on TikTok. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, my man, Jeff, Louie, I appreciate having you on this debut episode of The Spot, man. Thank you for helping me make it happen. Man, thank, thank you for letting me be the first. I'm actually quite honored. Thank, thank you, my man. I appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, of course, man. No doubt. No doubt. Thanks again to Louis for joining me on the debut of The Spot. As usual, to close things out, I like to leave you guys with some wise words of wisdom. Today, some wise words of wisdom relayed from none other than one of the basketball greats, LeBron James. LeBron James once said a little something like this. All your life, you are told the things you cannot do. All your life, they will say you're not good enough or strong enough or talented enough. They will say you're the wrong height or the wrong weight or the wrong type to play this or be this or achieve this. They will tell you no a thousand times no until all the no's become meaningless. All your life, they will tell you no quite firmly and very quickly, and you will tell them yes. That does it for me for the Man With The Plan podcast and the debut of The Spot. Until next time, guys, this is yours truly, Be The Man, The Man With The Plan, signing out. The Man With The Plan. Nothing more, nothing less.